Honor to be here. I say this every time I come, and this is probably the fourth or fifth, maybe sixth time I've, I've been here with you guys over the years, but I always just have to say how much your pastors and your leaders mean to my life. Um, it started out, you know, years ago, it was Pastor Edwin who, I pastor a church in Bay Ridge, Sunset Park area, but pastors need pastors. And uh, it was years ago when I was in one of the darker seasons of my life where Pastor Edwin was a pastor to me. And uh, so I'm incredibly grateful for him, but over the years, I've come to appreciate Gus and Chris and Zach and um, just grateful for this church. And so thank you for letting me be here with you this morning. Uh, Colossians chapter 3 says, set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. Uh, you see, it's good for our souls to meditate on heaven. You know, right now, um, it's not a bad thing to have New Year's resolutions. Um, I have them. I want to do, be able to do more push-ups this year, you know. I'm, as you can tell, I don't have a lot of upper body strength, okay. It's, uh, uh, it's genetics, I guess. I'm never the strongest guy. But uh, it's not bad to have New Year's resolutions, but I think sometimes we think that a calendar can save us. We think that a new year presents new possibilities for change, and in some ways it does, but let me tell you today that the calendar cannot save you. You know what happened between New Year's Eve and New Year's Day? The same thing that happened the day before it, and the same thing that's going to happen tonight. The sun went down and it came back up again. Your salvation is not in the rotation of the earth. Your salvation is in Christ, who is seated at the right hand of the Father in the throne room of heaven at this moment, interceding for you. You see, it's good for our souls to meditate on heaven. The Bible actually says that the thing that you long for more than anything in the world, if I were to ask you, what do you want more than anything in the world, you might tell me a whole host of things. But the Bible tells us that what you really want is eternity with God. Ecclesiastes 3.11 says, God has set eternity into our hearts. Eternity with God. New heavens, new earth, all things new, God dwelling with us. That is what your heart longs for more than anything else. If you believe that anything else is... If I were to ask you, what do you really want? And you were to say anything other than eternity with God, then in love, let me tell you, your heart is deceiving you. You don't want the job. You don't want... what. You don't want the thing, the material things, all those. What you want more than anything is the presence of God dwelling with man. And the good news of the gospel is this, Psalm 37, 4, that if you delight yourself in the Lord, He will give you the desires of your heart. If you delight yourself in the Lord, He will give you eternity with Him. For all of eternity, His presence. And so today, here's what I want us to do. I just want us to meditate on heaven together. I'm going to read a lot of Bible today, and really I'm not even going to offer a lot of my thoughts. I'm just, we're just going to read a lot of Scripture together, but I think you'll enjoy it. Because as we begin a new year, I want us to set our hearts. I want to get our hearts right. I mean, today's a good day to get our hearts right, isn't it? And so we're going to get our heart right, not by setting our heart on earthly things, but by setting our hearts on things that are above. I told you a calendar doesn't save, Jesus does. And everybody you hear around this time of year, people will say, new year, new me. You know what's better than new year, new me? The new heavens and the new earth. 
So let's talk about that today. And so if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Revelation chapter 4. And in Revelation, in this passage, John the Apostle is given a glimpse into heaven. God sweeps him up and shows him what heaven is like. And he writes what he saw and he writes what he heard. And here's what I want us to do today. Um, Don't be looking to me for um, wise thoughts. Don't be looking to me for some clever thoughts to add to the scriptures. I want you to use your imagination to get swept up into what the scriptures are teaching us. Because today it's all about the words of the Apostle John, not about the words of me. So Revelation chapter 4, John says, After this I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. How many of you would want to peek through that door if you saw that door cracked? What is heaven like? Well, John's about to tell us. The first voice which I had heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. And at once I was in the Spirit, and behold... A throne stood in heaven with one seated on the throne, and he sat there, and he had the appearance of jasper and carnelian. And around the throne there was a rainbow that had the appearance of an emerald. There is a throne in heaven, and from that throne radiates beauty and light and color and vibrancy and power and authority. And there is one who is seated on that throne, who all authority is His. This is the first thing we see when we look into heaven is we see a throne with someone beautiful and powerful and vibrant sitting on that throne. And also it says in verse 4 that around the throne were 24 other thrones and seated on the thrones were 24 elders clothed in white garments with golden crowns on their heads. So what are the elders? Some scholars say that it signifies the 12 apostles and the 12 tribes of Israel. Um, That may be true. I'm not really sure. But the point is this. There are 24 of them. There are 24 thrones that surround the throne. And what that tells me is that those on the thrones are people of power, are people of authority, are people of status, are people perhaps of influence, The type of people we look on in this world as the people that matter. But in heaven, they have little tiny thrones. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, twenty-four of them surrounding the throne. And they are in submission to the one who is on the throne. So all power, all authority, all wisdom, all influence in this earth, when we see Jesus face to face, it will all be in submission to the one who sits on the throne. And it says, From the throne came flashes of lightning and rumblings and peals of thunder, and before before the throne were burning seven torches of fire, which are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne, there as it were a sea of glass like crystal. And get this, I love this. And around the throne, on each side of the throne, are four living creatures full of eyes in front and behind. The first creature was like a lion, and the second living creature like an ox, and the third living creature with the face of a man, and the fourth living creature like an eagle in flight. And you're like, okay, it just got a little weird. What are these creatures right here? Well, they're creatures to start with. 
Which means they are created beings. They were created by the one who sits on the throne. And they were created by the one that they encircle around all day, every day. And the Bible says that they are covered with eyes. Front, back, top, bottom, inside of their wings, outside of their wings. They are covered in eyeballs. And you're like, why in the world? They, this, I would love to be made with eyes around the throne of Jesus because no matter what direction they're at, no matter what angle they're flying around the throne, their eyes never leave the one who is on the throne. Their eyes are fixed. They never deviate from the one who sits on the throne. And the four living creatures, each of them with six wings, are full of eyes all around and within. And listen to this. Day and night they never cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and who is and who is to come. And so imagine this for a moment. In heaven, there is one who sits on the throne. And he has the appearance of emerald and jasper and carnelian. And there's a sea of glass around him. And there's uh, rainbows. And there's all these beautiful, vibrant things coming. There's authority. There's uh, elders casting their thrones before him. And there's something about this person on the throne that commands the attention of the powerful. There's something about this person on the throne that commands the attention of the majestic, these creatures. And it says, day and night they never cease to say, holy Holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The earth is filled with his glory. Um, Nia, I got my start in ministry as a worship leader. I used to be a worship leader. And uh, people used to come to me and say, they say, why did you sing that chorus so many times? Like, why do we have to sing it so many times? The service was going long. The kids' volunteers were griping because they were having the kids were going. Why did we sing the chorus so many times? Why do we have to sing it so many times? I said, I'm just being biblical. Day and night, they never cease to say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty who was and who is to come. If you ever in, the, ever in this life have complained that we sing a chorus too many times, I don't know what to tell you. It's biblical. Better get used to it because we're going to be around the throne singing the same chorus for all eternity. And verse 9 says, Whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who is seated on the throne, who lives forever and ever, listen to this, the 24 elders fall down before him who is seated on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. And they cast their crowns like frisbees and fall on their face before the throne. And they say, Worthy are you our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they existed and they were created. So again, we have these elders. I don't know exactly who they are. I have a, a hunch, but I don't know exactly. But all I know is that these are people of authority and wisdom and influence and accomplishment and accolades. But when they see the one who sits on the throne receiving glory and honor and thanks, those elders who have authority and power in in the presence of the one who has, is worthy of all praise and honor, they fall on their faces, they worship, they take their crowns off their heads, and they chuck them to the feet of the one who sits on the throne. Every accolade, every trophy, every accomplishment in this life, in the presence of the one who sits on the throne, will be cast at his feet. 
Because every bit of praise and glory and celebration and honor that has been given to us or to anyone else on this earth will be given right back to the one who receives all praise and glory and honor when we get to the throne of God. And the elders will proclaim and we will join with them, I believe, in saying, worthy are you, our Lord and God. Now look at Revelation 5. Then I saw in the right hand of him who was seated on the throne a scroll written within and on the back and sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who's worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or look into it. And I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. So in heaven there's the scroll And we don't know what's in the scroll, but I suspect it has something to do with our deliverance and our salvation. And in heaven, they're looking around, they're going, hey, who can open this scroll? We want to see our salvation. They say, who can open it? Who can open it? They say, well, nobody around here can open it. And he said, well, let's go look on earth. And they said, well, nobody down here can look on it. And they said, let's look under the earth. And they said, well, nobody around here is worthy to open it. We're not able to save ourselves. We can't open the scroll. We can't deliver ourselves. There's no one on earth who can do it. There's no one below the earth who can do it. And as John realizes this, he begins to cry loudly. And he begins to weep. That kind of weeping where you're just shaking, you know? Sobbing. But one of the elders leans into him and says, Hey man, weep no more. Behold, and then here comes someone out of the shadows. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David. He is conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. And verse 6 says, I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain with seven horns and with seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And he went and he took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. I don't know if you guys know who Gardner C. Taylor is, but he was a pastor in Bed-Stuy for many, many years. He was close friends with Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. They call him the Dean of American Preaching, one of the greatest preachers to ever live. He pastored at Concord Baptist Church in Bed-Stuy. But Pastor Taylor said, No poet, never mind how sweet his meter, was found worthy to break the seals. No soldier, no matter how victorious his campaigns, was found worthy to break the seals. No statesman, no matter how astute his diplomacy, was found worthy to break the seals. But then the one with thorn marks on his brow and with a heart broken by a friend's betrayal and with his spirit wounded by many false charges steps forward. The one who is able to open the book upon which our deliverance depended had hands marked by nail prints. Who's the lamb standing as though it had been slain? Who is the one who can take the scroll and open it and give us our deliverance? It's Jesus. The one who is able. And he steps forward and he takes what is rightfully his. The thing that nobody could open. The thing that everybody had trouble trying to figure out what it meant and how they could open it. Jesus steps forward and with ease takes it and opens it right up. Because all things belong to him and through him and for him. And salvation comes only through him. Because he is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. And no one comes to the Father except through him. 
And verse 8 says, When he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders, they fell down before the Lamb, each holding a harp. And listen to this. Golden bowls full of incense. Listen. Which are the prayers of the saints. Golden bowls in heaven full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. Does prayer matter? Does God hear our prayers? I want you to know today that every prayer you have ever prayed, every moment you have ever praised, every desperate request and plea you have cried out to God, every time you've prayed for your parents, every time you've prayed for your children, every time you've prayed for your friends, every time you've prayed for the lost, every time you've prayed for the hurting, every time you have prayed, your prayers are there in a golden bowl being hand-delivered to the feet of the one who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll. Do your prayers matter? You bet. And yes, he hears your prayers. They are like incense rising up to heaven. When we pray, when we just sang that song of prayer and praise, it was like a smell of incense lifted from this place and lifted into heaven. And the creatures and the elders and the Lamb Himself smelled the aroma of our prayers. Yes, He hears them. Yes, our prayers matter. And before the Lamb, verse 9 says, the creatures and the elders, they sang a new song and they said, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals for you were slain and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. He's talking about us. He has made us a kingdom and priests to God, and we shall reign on this earth with Him. And then John says, verse 11, Then I looked and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders the voice of many angels, numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice. It says there are angels, myriads upon myriads, upon thousands upon thousands. That means infinite. Angels, as far as the eye can see and beyond, with a deafening roar, all together sing out, Worthy is the Lamb who is slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And he says in verse 13 that I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, amen. And the elders fell down and worshiped. Now, how many times have the elders fallen down? It's like every time like they're, they're just like falling in praise and falling in praise and falling in praise at the feet of the one who sits on the throne. And then fast forward to Revelation 7. It says that a multitude of people. We've been talking about creatures and angels and elders. And now they're talking about us. Revelation 7 says a multitude of people. That's us. A multitude of, from a multitude of nations that no one can count. That is a promise that the gospel will indeed go forth to every corner of the world. And people from every tribe, tongue, every nation, every language will step forward and we will join with the creatures and the angels and the elders in worship. That means people from ancient times. That means people from modern times. 
That means Germans and Ethiopians and Americans and Chinese and Indians and Bangladeshis and Italians and Nigerians and Yemenis and Upper West Siders and Brooklynites and Long Islanders and even New Jerseyans. All around the throne of Jesus with palm branches in our hands singing holy, worthy, honor, glory, blessing. Revelation 7.10 says salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. I want you to imagine the greatest worship service you've ever been a part of. What's the best worship service you've ever been to? What's the best worship service you've ever experienced? Do you remember what it felt like? Do you remember what, that, what it felt like to be swept up in a move of the Spirit in those moments? Chris, do you remember you said that time you came here and you gave your life to Jesus? you remember what that was like? The greatest worship service you've ever been a part of will feel like a single drop of water in an infinite ocean compared to what worship will be like on that day. And it will go on forever. You see, if you are a follower of Jesus, you will participate in this. This is the future that awaits you. Through faith in Jesus, you will see this. You will join in on this. But there's so much more. If you skip from Revelation 7 all the way to Revelation 21, listen to this. It says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. And he will dwell with them. I'm going to stop again. Let's reread this again. If you're tuning out, this isn't the time to zone back in. Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. And God will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. And listen to this, church. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And death shall be no more, neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. And he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and they are true. I love New York City, but I cannot wait for the new Jerusalem. The day is coming when Jesus himself, the man of sorrows, will bring heaven to earth and he will build a new city. And in that city, God will dwell with us. We will be his people and he will be our God and he will wipe away every tear from your eyes. There is coming a day when the last tear will fall. When the last tear falls, I don't know what has caused you to cry tears in this life. And I suspect there are many more tears to come in 2022. But I know that there is coming a day when the last tear from our eyes will fall. And God himself will be there to wipe it from our cheeks. And death will be no more. And your weeping will turn to laughing and your pain will turn to dancing. He will make all things new. I don't know if I've ever shared this with you guys, but my oldest son has cerebral palsy. 
Um, doctors told us he would never walk. When he was six years old, he took his first steps. So take that, doctor. My God is bigger than your diagnosis. Um, yeah. But nevertheless, my son has severe disabilities. And you know what my hope is? That there's coming a day where God is making all things new. And my son's brain that was affected by the fallen, broken nature of this world will be fully healed, fully restored. And my son who walks with a limp today, me and him are going to go for a run together and we're not going to get tired and we're not going to get weary. Okay, he's making all things new. And we will live in the city, the new Jerusalem with God himself. And Revelation 21 continues and tells us what that city is like. It says, and I saw there was no temple in the city. There was no church building in the city. For its temple is the Lord God himself, the Almighty and the Lamb. We're not going to go to church in the new heavens and new earth. We're going to go to Jesus himself. And the city has no need for sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it its light, and the lamp is the lamb. And by its light the nations will walk, and the kings of earth will bring their glory into it. And its gates will never be shut by day, and there will be no night there. And they will bring into it the glory and the honor of the nations. And listen to this, nothing unclean will ever enter into it, nor anyone who does what is detestable or false, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. Listen, Nothing unclean will enter into the new city. Nothing detestable, nothing false. You will not carry your addictions into the new heavens and new earth. You will not carry shame into the new heavens and new earth. You will not carry guilt. You will not carry the consequences of your past. You will not carry those things into the new heaven and new earth. Only what is good and true and pure will enter in to that, to the new Jerusalem. And you say, well, if that's true, how could I ever enter in? John says, those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Have you confessed with your mouth and believed in your heart that Jesus is Lord and that God raised him from the dead? Well, if you have, then your name is there. Your full name is written down in the Lamb's book of life. A place has been prepared for you. Now listen to this, Revelation 22. It says, Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb, through the middle of the street of the city, also on the other side of the river, the tree of life with its twelve kinds of fruit, yielding fruit in each month. Remember in the garden, there was one tree, and it yielded one type of fruit, and God said, don't touch that, it's forbidden. In the garden, or in the new city, There's going to be a tree with 12 kinds of fruit, and we can take all we want. No longer will there be anything that is accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and His servants will worship Him, and they will see His face, and His name will be on their foreheads. And night will be no more. They will need no light of lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. What is heaven like? you're going to see his face. Moses only got to see his back. We're going to see his face. We're going to see him face to face. 
He's going to look into our eyes. And as the tears well up and begin to fall, He's going to wipe those tears off of our face. Because of your trust in Jesus, you will see the face of God. Jesus said, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. That's not a metaphor. (laughs) Jesus wasn't just saying something cute. He meant it. Blessed are the pure in heart, for you will see God. And his name will be written on your forehead. And you won't need a lamp. You won't need a flashlight. You won't even need the sun because he will be your light. And there will be no more darkness. And you will reign with God forever. What do you long for? What do you want more than anything in the world? That's what you want. To see him face to face. Maybe you're longing for all sorts of things. Maybe you want all sorts of things. But this is what you were created for. And you say, how long, O Lord? How long? How long do we have to wait until this day? Well, in Revelation 22, 12 through 13, the Jesus, Jesus the Lamb speaks into our waiting and He says, Behold, I'm coming soon and I'm bringing my recompense with me to repay each one for what He has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning of the end. And then verse 17 says that the Spirit of God and the Bride of God, which is us, His church, we join together and with one voice we say, Come quickly. Lord Jesus, the Spirit and the Bride say come. And I love this. The Bible ends with these words. Revelation 22, verse 20. He who testifies to all these things says, Surely I am coming soon. And to that we say, Amen. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. And the Bible ends with these words. The last words of the Bible, Revelation 22, 21, says, The grace of the Lord Jesus be with all. Amen. Don't you love? Yes, go ahead. Yeah. Don't you love that the final words of the Bible are grace be with you all? In the beginning, God. First words of the Bible. In the end, grace be with you. You see, it is the grace of God that is with us in our waiting. Waiting for God is painful, isn't it? But it is the grace of God that is with us while we wait. It is the grace of God that will be with us at the end of our waiting. It is the grace of God that will get you into His presence. It is the grace of God that will carry you into your home, your true home. Not your works, not your self-righteousness, not your good deeds. It is the grace of God that you trust in when you completely blow it. It is the grace of God that is with you on your darkest days and in your darkest nights. It is the grace of God that will see you through when you do that thing that you don't want to do. And it's the grace of God that will see you through when you do that thing that you said you would never do again. And it is the grace of God that will restore your heart in those moments. And it is the grace of God who will quiet your fears and silence your anxiety. And it is the grace of God who will strengthen your weary heart. And it is the grace of God who will bring life to your dry bones in 2022 and on that day. It is the grace of God who sustains you when your spouse dies. It is the grace of God who sustains you when your marriage falls apart. 
It is the grace of God who sustains you when you get the cancer diagnosis. It is the grace of God who is with you when you find yourself in a place that you never hoped for or in a place that you said you would never be in again. It is the grace of God who in eternity will take all the pain that this broken world has given you and He will remove it all and He will set all things right and He will wipe every tear from your eyes. It is the grace of God that will see you through it all. It's the grace of God. That's why you're here today. You made it here today because of the grace of God. You know that old song, "'Twas grace that brought me safe thus far, and grace will lead me home. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with you all. Amen. Father in heaven, thank you for these people. I thank you for sustaining them today. This is a hard time of year. And God, you've brought them through it. But God, today as we begin a new year, I pray that we take our eyes off of earthly things and we set our minds on heavenly things. And God, thank you for your word that shows us what heaven is like. It's a place where we throw all of our accomplishments at the feet of Jesus. It's the place where we see once and for all who had the power to open the scrolls. And we will see who has the power to deliver us from sin and Satan and death and shame and guilt and darkness. It is the Lamb who was slain to ransom people from every tribe, tongue, nation, and language. God, it's in eternity where we will see people that look like us and people that talk like us and people that think like us and behave like us, but God, it's also in heaven where we will see people who don't look like us and don't talk like us and don't sing like us. But our differences won't matter around the throne of Jesus because you have united us. And we will together sing with one voice, worthy, worthy, holy, holy. And so God, I pray that we practice that now that we sing together this morning the recovery house of worship, that we practice for eternity by singing to you, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And we sing to you because we know you are the one who sits on the throne. And we sing to you because we know it's your son who is worthy to open the the scroll. And we sing to you because we know that our pain won't last forever. And it's we sing to you because we know that there's coming a day when the last tear will fall from our eyes. And we sing to you because we know that there's coming a day where we will see you face to face. And so, God, we lift you up and we sing to you today. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen.